0: Grace and peace to you this morning. It is good to be back with you today. I want to thank uh, Larry for reading that passage, um, which focuses our minds and uh, we get to uh, think about this new series that that we're starting. And thank you to, to Ron for directing our minds in worship this morning. I want to thank the congregation and especially the the elders for allowing me the time off for my sabbatical. It was a refreshing time, but I am glad to be back and and here with you this morning. We we do have some wonderful things coming up. I I encourage you to come out this Wednesday and uh, come early, enjoy some hot dogs and listen to Fernando Mesa talk about investing in others. That's part of our mission here as LaGrange Church of Christ. We want to invest in others. And when we do this, we believe that we will grow the church and we will strengthen the church. And so uh, be sure and plan on being here on Wednesday. And also remember the second collection in August will go to school supplies. It's sort of interesting thing. Um, you know, we do this every year. We really have a planned for it, but we begin receiving calls and messages And people know us in this community as a church that helps. And that's a good thing. That's what we should be known for. And so uh, let's step up in August and um, help some of the kids in our community who need some assistance for school. And so we are in this series. We've done this before, but people keep on asking uh, for it Preaching from the Poets. And it's based out of Acts 17, where as Paul is preaching to the Athenians, he quotes pagan poets. Um, And and he does this and he uses these poets to preach the gospel. And we learn something important here. We learn that all truth is God's truth. And so it doesn't matter if it comes from a Christian or if it comes from a Muslim or even if it comes from a pagan or an atheist. If it is true, then it is true and all truth is has its source in Jesus because He is truth. Paul understood this. And his sermons sometimes look very different depending on who he was speaking to. If he was speaking to Jews, then his sermons were grounded in the Hebrew Scriptures. And he spoke of people like Abraham, Moses, and David. And he used them to tell the story of Jesus. And when Paul spoke to Gentile audiences... His his sermons looked quite a bit different. He did not mention Abraham, Moses, or David. But instead, he talks about an idol to an unknown God. And he quotes from pagan poets. However, he still preaches the gospel. He still gets to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Now, we are living in a culture that is becoming less and less familiar with the Bible. And we can learn some important lessons from Paul about how to engage people who may be unfamiliar with Scripture. We learn that we have to speak their language. We have to begin where they are at. We have to use what they know. And we cannot expect them to come to us. We have to go to them. And so I ask, who are our poets today? Well, they're on the radio. They show up on Spotify playlists. They are bands and musicians that people listen to. And every song contains a message. And it's important that we understand what that message is as we are listening. It may be a good message. It may be a bad message. But whatever it is, that message is shaping we are so some good questions to ask are these is it good is it true is it beautiful these are what are known as the three transcendentals Um, they are who God is God is true God is good and God is beautiful if a song is is one of these or maybe all three of these then it can point us back to God in some way This morning, we're looking at a song from Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors, their band out of Tennessee, and their albums have appeared on the the billboard charts, so people are listening. Their songs have been used in movies and TV shows, and in 2019, they released an album called Dragons, which reached number one on the Americana charts. The album has a a lot of great songs with great messages, but the, the song we're looking at today is entitled, You Want what you can't have. And and here are some of the lyrics. Some people want a house on the top of the hill. Some people want people to pay all their bills. Some people want to move on. Some people want to go back in time. Some people buy everything they want. Other people don't have a dime. You want what you can't have. Since the Garden of Eden, it's been like that. You can't tear down the tree or pull all the weeds. You want what you can't have. Some people wear their heart on their sleeve. Some people have a heart of stone. Some people are the life of the parties. Others want to be left alone. Some people want to drink. Some people want to smoke. Some people stay up all night praying for a child of their own. You want what you can't have. Since the Garden of Eden, it's been like that. You can't tear down the tree or pull all the weeds. Spend your life looking for the greener grass. You want what you can't have. Now what problem is this song addressing? Well, it's the problem of discontentment. And what is discontentment? It's, it's not being satisfied. It is the inability to enjoy the, the blessings we have because our, our concern or our focus is on something Else. And when we, continue, when we are continually not content with our surroundings, our circumstances, uh, we're not in a good place. We're, we're not in a place where God wants us to be. Now, the problem is that discontentment is common. As the song states, it is something that's been around for a long, long time. And lots of people are, are this way for various reasons. Discontentment has always been a problem, but it's especially a problem in our age. Many people live in a constant state of discontentment. They wake up, outrage. They stay outraged all day long, and they go to bed, outrage. Every conversation is about something that is wrong, so much so that comedians make fun of it. This was a tweet that... Comedian Dimitri Martin sent out yesterday. Hey, what's everyone outraged about today? To be outraged all the time is not spiritually healthy. It's not what a disciple of Christ should be. Because we're to be a people that are known by the fruit of the Spirit. We're to be known for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness... And self-control, not outrage. The world is outrage. But we're supposed to be something different. And we're different because we know something that the world does not know. And we have something the world does not have. And that is Christ. You know, this is a song with a catchy beat and an ear-pleasing hook. It is fun to listen to. But it's much more than this. It's a song that, that makes an important theological point. And it's right there in the chorus. Many people have probably sung it without even realizing the significance of the words. But, but listen carefully. You want what you can't have. Since the Garden of Eden it has been like that. Discontentment is more than something that Christians shouldn't be. It goes deeper than our identity. Discontentment leads to sin. And so when we are not satisfied with with, with all the blessings that God has given us, and he has given us many blessings, we are in danger of sinning. We lust for what is not ours. We want what we cannot have. And before long, we are doing something that we should not be doing. Christians are to be content. The Apostle Paul understood this in Philippians 4, 10 through 13. He writes the following. I rejoice the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. And you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We are to be content in whatever situation that we find ourselves in. Paul was content while he was unjustly imprisoned. He was content while he was hungry and went without food. And we might scratch our heads and wonder, well, how could this be? How could you be content if you were wrongly imprisoned or or, or starving? It's because he was living for Christ and nothing else. He says it right there at the end. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And we do this verse a great disservice when we apply it to things like winning a football game or passing a test. This verse is not about getting what we want. It's about going without and learning to be content. And notice how Paul uses that word learn. He says, I I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And so, contentment is a secret that the world does not know about. And it's something that, that we must learn as disciples of Christ. It's something that we must work on. It's a part of what makes us different, sets us apart, what makes us countercultural. It's also interesting that Paul says that he had to learn this when he had very little, and also when he had much. And so having plenty can be just as much a temptation as having nothing. And one of the reasons is because we're less likely to think of God when we have a whole bunch of stuff. The song itself is right. This discontentment starts... Not when people had very little. It starts in the Garden of Eden when they had everything. We must learn to be content in whatever circumstances life throws our way. And so if we're not growing in contentment, then, then we're not doing what we should as a disciple of Jesus. Now, some may ask well, well how are we to learn contentment? What is this secret? We're given some clues in the verses that come just before this passage in Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We are content when we can rejoice. We are content when we are not consumed with anxiety or worry. We are content when we can find multiple different things to be thankful for. When we rejoice, when we let go of our worry, when we pray, and are thankful, then we're filled with a peace which surpasses all understanding. And this is very similar to what Paul talks about in just a few verses later, contentment. It's mysterious to the world around us. While the world is not at peace, we are at peace. While the world is discontent, we are content. Our disposition is different from the world around us. So if you're struggling with finding contentment, then practice finding things to rejoice in, finding things to be thankful for. Make a list of those things. Focus on them. Find something every day to, to add to that list. Post what you're thankful for on Facebook rather than all the things that bring you discontentment. If you struggle with worry... Pray more often. Learn to trust God and let go of of, of the burdens that you're carrying around. Focus your mind on Jesus rather than what is bothering you. Well, if discontentment leads to sin, then what is sin? Well, as you probably know, the definition of the Hebrew word is to miss the mark. It is to live in a way that we were not created to live. And so what's happening when we sin is we are being less than human. And and sin is actually something that that chips away at our humanity. Jesus comes along and Jesus was the perfect human. And he came to teach us how to live. Uh, This is why it's important that, that we be a disciple of Jesus and we learn how to live as He lived, we learn how to follow in His footsteps. Because when we do this, we are regaining some of this humanity that we have lost. And we're learning what it means to be fully human. Discontentment, on the other hand, discontentment robs us of joy. It robs us of peace. And when we are discontent, we're not being who we should be. And if we're not careful we can drift further and further away from the image of Christ. Now, the most important key to finding contentment is found in that final verse in this passage, Philippians 4.13. It's what Paul says at the end of his statement concerning contentment. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so we're going to find contentment when our focus Is on Christ. When we shift our focus to other things, we're in danger of being discontent. The writer of Hebrews explains to us how to live the Christian life. He says, Therefore, since we're all surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. Those things that are dragging us down, those things that are bringing us discontentment, lay them aside. Lay aside every sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us doing what? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We are to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We are to look to him. We are to find strength in him. We are to follow him and we are to live like him. And this is the mission. And when we get distracted from the mission, we become consumed with other things that... draw us away. You've probably heard the the following quote from Augustine. It's famous uh, for good reason. It comes at the beginning of his most widely read book Confessions and the entire book is a meditation on this one quote. You God have made us for yourself O Lord and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. We are restless, we are discontent, we lack peace until our hearts rest in Christ. Not just part of the time, not just for an hour on Sunday. We must learn to rest in Christ, to be in Christ, to meditate on Christ at all times. This is who we are to be. We have been baptized, we have died to ourselves. And we now belong to Christ. And this makes all the difference in the world because Christ is bigger than our circumstances. He is bigger than our problems. He is bigger than our concerns. He's he's in charge of this world. And he has overcome both sin and death. And so we either believe this and put our trust in him, or we don't. Christ brings contentment. And we have everything that we need in him. New York Times bestselling author John Acuff recently wrote a book entitled Soundtracks. And in it he details what often uh, holds us back as human beings. He suggests that it is the soundtracks that we have running in our heads. And a soundtrack is something that's just sort of playing in the background. It's something that, that we continually think about. It's something that we keep coming back to. It's what captivates our thoughts. Um, often they're negative. It could be a mistake that we made or something that we wish we would have said differently. It could be something we're obsessed with and we just can't let it go. It could be you know, negative thoughts, what's wrong with the world, whatever. When we focus on the problems rather than the solutions, uh, Acuff suggests we're, we're less likely to advance in multiple different areas. In Romans 12 and verse 2, we're told that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so we are to think differently as Christians. And the soundtrack that should be running through our minds all, most of the time is Christ. Christ is, what Christ has done for us, how to be like Christ, and Christ should captivate our thoughts. And when he does, our lives will be transformed and we will learn how to be content no matter the circumstances. And so if you're living with discontentment, let me encourage you this morning, it doesn't have to be this way. If you're upset with the world or upset with your life or upset with politics or upset with your job or upset with fill in the blank, there is peace in Christ. Turn from whatever is making you discontent and focus on Jesus. Live like Him. Give Him your burdens. Learn to be Thankful and rejoice in all that he has given you. And remember these words and put them into practice. Paul says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance, and need. What is that secret, Paul? I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. You want what you can't have since the Garden of Eden. It's been like that. But it doesn't have to be that way. Turn to Christ. Rely on Him. Focus on Him. Live for Him. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning and we thank you for this opportunity to come together as the church and to focus our minds on you. To let go of all of our burdens, to let go of all the other things that are striving for our attention and to turn to you. Father, we pray that we will take this moment and we will carry it throughout the week. That we will keep coming back to you. That we will keep our focus on you. That we will keep thinking about you and directing our thoughts towards you. And that we will be at peace. And that we will be content. Not because of Our circumstances are not because of anything that that we do, but because of you. Because we know who you are, because we know what you've done. You are greater than anything that burdens us. And we're so grateful for Christ who came to this earth, who took on flesh, who showed us how to live. May we walk in his footsteps. And we're especially grateful for the sacrifice he made for us on that cross so that we might have salvation. We pray this in his name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Christ, we want to encourage you to to think about that. We want everyone to be a follower of Christ. If you're here and have some questions, we'd love to visit with you. We'd love to study with you if you're and ready to make a decision to follow Jesus this morning, um, then come now as we stand and as we sing.